as a story. And, and what I really firmly believe is that we're talking about mental health, we're talking about, you know, personality, we're talking about people living uh, good, healthy, flourishing lives. I, I think just telling those stories or, or just um, being able, to, being aware of those stories is really important because, you know, who you are now is kind of, um, it's really affected by where you came from. Welcome to the Erasing Shame podcast. We are erasing shame about mental health by having honest talk for healthy living. We are so glad you can join us. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Erasing Shame summer series on mental health. I'm Jeremiah Chuang, and today we're going to be talking with Dan Jong about family dynamics. Hello. Hi. Well, good to see you again, Dan. Yeah. After our intro episode. Uh, your expertise and uh, your profession is sure. doing a good service oh. for our communities. Yeah. Could you tell us, and you told us a little bit about your family background and your interest in family dynamics. Uh, so could you tell us about uh, your family background? Sure, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, my family background is, uh, well, everyone has a story. So that's, I guess I'll start there. Everyone has a story. And, and what I really firmly believe is that we're talking about mental health, we're talking about, you know, personality, we're talking about people living uh, good, healthy, flourishing lives. I, I think just telling those stories or, or just um, being able to, being aware of those stories is, is really important because, you know, who you are now is kind of, um, it's really affected by where you came from. It's really affected by how you grew up. It's affected by your immigration story. It's uh, affected by your family of origin. So um, I guess in our first episode we teased out um, just a little bit about my family story. Um, and I guess um, I'm fourth generation uh, Chinese American and so my great grandfather on my mother's side came to the states around the turn of the century. Um, uh, probably around 1900, 1902, somewhere in there. Um, he, uh, he wanted to come to America to uh, have a better life for himself. His plan was to come to the States, find work, send money back to China to support his family. Um, there were, around the around the turn of the century, there were um, Chinese exclusion laws in place in the United States that barred uh, specifically Chinese people, Chinese laborers from coming over uh, and finding work. That was mostly to protect the, um, the earlier generations of immigrants that had come. And so my great-grandfather was in for a rude awakening when he got his boat and the, got to the States. Uh, it was turned away from New York, um, and he was forcibly removed with everyone else on the boat uh, in Mexico. So there were these group of Chinese folks that came over looking for work in America um, and, and just found themselves in Mexico uh, through no fault of their own, but just through circumstances. And so he had to find himself, uh, he had to reinvent himself. He had to um, find a way to survive, find a way to thrive. So, so he did. Um, and even now, today, there are, are Chinese communities just across the border in the southwest and into Mexico that, that persist from these kind of days of the Chinese exclusion laws. Uh, my grandfather got to the States through uh, a lot of uh, historical, uh, there's a lot of historical, uh, I guess, stories that, that intersect with his um, during during the, around this time, there was uh, Mexico and the U.S. were kind of at war in terms of uh, of having border disputes in the Southwest. So uh, a general who became president of Mexico, Pancho Villa, would you know organize these border raids into the U.S. Uh, 
And uh, when he did that, of course, the U.S. responded. They sent a, uh, an expedition down to find him, bring him to justice. Um, that expedition was led by another uh, person who became president of the U.S., in this case, um, General Pershing. So General Pershing goes down to find Pancho Villa, is finding not very well planned out. Uh, didn't find a lot of help from the uh, indigenous Mexican people. They weren't going to give up Pancho Villa. They weren't going to uh, help him in any kind of way. The people that would help him, though, was the Chinese community in in the Southwest at that time. They did what Chinese folks do. They survived. They they find a way to make it work. So they took jobs doing laundry, uh, cooking food for, for General Pershing's expedition. Um, Long story short, Pershing never finds Pancho Villa. Uh, he has to go back to the U.S. without Pancho Villa. Um, uh, but he understands exactly uh, how much danger the Chinese folks that helped him out were in. Uh, because when Pancho Villa found out that there were some Chinese folks helping uh, Pershing, that they would face a lot of trouble, most likely. General Pershing writes a letter to the president at the time saying that there are this group of Chinese people in Mexico that helped us, and if we leave them there, we, if we bar them from entering the country with us, they're in, I think the, the term was, uh, they're in great mortal peril or something like that. They're in danger if we don't let them in under the Chinese ex exclusion laws. So um, this group of Chinese people that helped out Pershing became known as uh, Pershing's Chinese. Um, and they were, they were led into the country under these exclusion laws at the time. Um, and so that's how my great grandfather got here. Um, fast forward, he calls, uh, he calls to China and gets his son over, which is my grandfather. Um, and uh, from there, they bring their first two daughters over. My mom is, is the first uh, American-born uh, daughter in that family. And so, uh, yeah, that has a lot to, that story, in that story you'll find a lot of what makes me, me, I think. Um, uh, one of the examples I can say is that it can, can kind of share, and I think a lot of people will relate to this, is that my mom being the firstborn uh, kid in America who spoke uh, pretty good English uh, was called upon to do a lot of the outward-facing kind of parentified or parental things that parents normally would probably do if they spoke better English. So she spoke to, you know, she spoke to the anything official, anything that had to be read, she would have to read it. She would have to tell my, my grandparents about what it was. She would have to make decisions uh, in the grocery store that they ran. Um, she would have to order things. She would work in the grocery store at a very young age. And, you know, she had that experience, um, but then she looked around her at her friends who maybe didn't have that dynamic in their families. They didn't have so much responsibility. They were allowed just to be kids. Um, and I think there's a part of that, there's a part for that notice that and, and, and question, okay, so what, what is, what, what's, what's the deal with my family here, you know? Um, why am I the one that all this responsibility is placed upon? Why am I the one that has to uh, do all these things for my family? And, and I can't just be a kid sometimes. So um, in therapy and psycho, in, in the psychobabble that we use sometimes, it's, it's called parentification, right? When a child takes on a lot more responsibility than maybe their peers do. Um, because of their family dynamics, that's that's that you know that affects how you raise your kids. That affects how you want them to grow up, and uh, yeah, uh, family dynamics matter. Immigration stories matter, and in, in the work that we do. Yeah, yeah, they sure do. 
What was one of the ways that uh, the way your mom uh, grew up, how did that affect you personally? Mm. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's funny because when you're a kid, when you're growing up in the situation and you see these, these aspects coming out in your parents and of course as a teenager you're like, ah, why is that? Why is that? You know, and, and there's a lot of, uh, in my generation, teenage angst and and, uh, and uh, some bitterness and some anger and th those things happen. But um, the, the the thing that we try to do here is we try, we try to like talk about these stories and we say, okay, yes, this did happen. Yes, this is your family. We're not giving any value judgments on this. We're not saying this is right or wrong, but like, how does this affect you? So um, one of the things that, you know, being a parentified um, parentified, I guess, child in, in my mom's case, uh, she had a lot of responsibility. She had a lot of, uh, she had to, she had to worry about a lot of things. So she had to be responsible for the store. She had to be responsible for talking to people. Uh, there was a lot of burden placed on her by my grandparents. So she worries a lot. So in some, she turns out to be a worrier. And as a worrier, if you, if your parents are, are worriers, um, they uh, tend to be very anxious. And they tend to kind of almost transmit anxiety onto the people around them. So, you know, being a, being her kid, being her firstborn kid, um, that anxiety uh, kind of transfers over to me sometimes, right? So uh, I'm asked to do a lot of things. I'm asked to, to help her, not just with, you know, just, we don't have a store anymore, but not just with those responsibilities, but helping her like uh, almost uh, uh, help her with her anxiety, I should say, you know? Um, so things that she's very, very anxious about, um, she wants me to worry about those things as well, even though, I, even, even if I'm not worried about them, or even if I know things are going to be okay, you should be worried about this. You should, uh, help me with this anxiety that I have. And, uh, once you get pulled into that, um, you start to question as, as, as the, the kid now, um, well, well, should I be worried about that? Did I miss something? You know, I thought I did a good job of like, you know, understanding what was going on, taking care of the situation, but my mom was really worried, so maybe I missed something. And so slowly that just erodes your own sense of confidence, your own sense of who you are, your own sense that you can do a good job because, you know, the someone someone who you could you should be able to look up to uh, as a sense of calm, as a sense of peace, they're they're worried. So maybe I should be worried too. And then what did you do to uh try and find more confidence or how did you uh, figure out ways to worry less? I think a lot of it is, is understanding the story, understanding where my mom came from. Like I said, as a teenager, you get angry, you get bitter, you get angsty. Um, but at the end of the day, if you understand your family's story, you, you can approach the people in that story with a lot more grace, a lot more uh, forgiveness um, because they didn't, my mom didn't choose to be in that situation. My mom didn't choose to be uh, the parentified child. She didn't choose to speak English better than everybody else. She didn't choose to be the firstborn kid in America. That's the kind of situation she was put into. Mm -hmm. and, and once you start there, once you start with that forgiveness and, and that, that sense of grace to, to those in your family, um, you're allowed to, to kind of let that, let them off the hook a little bit. So everything that I experience as far as, uh, you know, all this anxiety heaped upon me, uh, understanding where it came from allowed me to let go of that a little bit and then really think about, okay, so I know it's happening. I know it's happening to me. It's eroding my confidence. It's eroding my sense of self. 
um, how do I, this question becomes, okay, if I can let her off the hook now, what, what's left? It, it's working on myself. It's finding spaces where uh, I can, I can truly thrive. I can truly say that, yes, I did do a good job of thinking through this. I did do a good job of, of following through with this. There's nothing I need to be worried about. I'm safe. You know, I'm safe in my own experience. Um, and yeah, drawing a little bit, drawing a couple little boundaries here and there saying that, okay, well, this belongs to me. My anxiety, I'm worried about this. So that belongs to me. Uh, other people's anxiety, other people's worry, that's not mine. That doesn't belong to me. So I don't have to carry that. Um, and, and drawing those boundaries is helpful because it's not a rejection of my mom. It's not a rejection or, or just or invalidating my mom and saying that no, you shouldn't be worried about stuff. Fact of the matter, she is. You know, she is worried about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, drawing a boundary is actually um, something that um, really defines what's mine and what's someone else's. Mm-hmm. So once I kind of yeah. learned that, like, okay, I can deal with my own stuff. You know, I can deal with my own anxiety. And it's mine. I can deal with that. So it's right. Um, but dealing with someone else's is not something that I can do or should be able to do. I shouldn't be able to have to carry that person's burdens. Um, by by stating those things, by, by making those distinctions, I can say, okay, I can separate my mom from that anxiety. I can separate the mom that I love and I care for and I respect from the effect that she has on me sometimes. Um, and, and drawing some of those boundaries is important in your sense of self because, like I said, you feel safe now. Now I feel you can be yourself. Now you feel like you can thrive. That was, that's, yeah, that, that's kind of the general gist of, of that. Yeah, you've learned a lot, both personally and you've learned about your family history mm-hmm. and uh, seeing all those connections. Uh, how does that learning inform uh, your counseling practice or uh, how does it help you do better with mm-hmm. counseling other people? Yeah, I think tapping into this part of my story uh, and then hearing my clients and, and their their stories, you know, where they came from, their uh, their family dynamics, their and their immigration story from their family, the pressures they felt. Uh, it may not be anxiety; it might have been something else. It might be something more of an angry favor. But understand that there's commonalities, there's common threads through each of these families that, that we see. Helps to uh, one, I think it has it helps me to have compassion for these stories, right? Um, it helps me to really see each of the people that I work with as individuals, even within their family, even within their context. Um, and, it, and it helps me to, to really walk with them and tease in their own journey of, of, uh, of, of self-confidence, of, of uh, finding more of themselves uh, in, within that story. Uh, I think that really helps to tap into my story as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, really helpful, and I'm ho- I hope that our audience can be encouraged to uh, seek out opportunities like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there's a misconception about about misconception about uh, psychotherapy or counseling is that there has to be something really wrong with you to come in. Um, I, I I couldn't say that that was my case. You know, I couldn't say that there was something like I wasn't really depressed. I wasn't really super an- anxious. I was a little bit anxious, but still functional, and I was able to do some things. I was able to go to school you know, go to college and, and, and succeed in those ways. But in understanding the story, my family story and my family dynamics, uh, coming into counseling actually helped me to uh, improve in a lot of ways I didn't know I was being held back. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. for, for instance, you know, uh, if, you're, if, if that 
role of taking on someone's anxiety was passed down to me from my mom, you know, how does that affect my relationships? Well, yeah, it's going to have a it's going to have a very distinct uh, effect on my relationships. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I started to question my own uh, relationships with people. It's like, okay, what do I bring into this? Everyone's got something that they're dealing with. Everyone's got baggage of some sort. So what's mine? And how does that play into my relationships? I think getting into this discussion about family and, and um, uh, how that affects it really, how that really affected me really helped to improve relationships. So it wasn't, I wasn't really dealing with a diagnosis of any kind, but therapy really helped me in my relationships, to be better in my relationships, to, to be able to have freedom and creativity in my relationships and not be stuck into old patterns. Hmm. Okay. Wow. What were some of the, the patterns uh, being in, in Asian American, in Asian American relationships? Mm -hmm. uh, are there any misunderstandings there or uh, are there particular ways that it, it becomes difficult to communicate those sort of emotions to because I know there's an emphasis on community, mm -hmm. especially in uh, Chinese American culture. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the ways you've experienced and learned how to deal with those sort of things? It's uh, it's it's kind of a balance. Um, one of the things that we do at the clinic, dealing at the intersection of culture and and, and emotional health, is that. Uh, we help people understand that it's not just two choices. It's just not a choice between your Chinese side. It's not just a choice between your American side. Um, acculturation, uh, integration, uh, getting along as a Chinese American actually means both. It's not a. It's not an or proposition. It's an and proposition. So it's both Chinese and also American in my case. And in some of my own kind of work in integrating those things. Um, uh, helped me to realize that, yeah, there are some very, very good things about being Chinese, about coming from a communal culture. You are part of something. You're always part of something. You're always, uh, uh, for better or for worse, you know where you stand in the family, um, but you are part of a family. Uh, from the American, the more American kind of side of these things, that learning that you do have your own voice, learning that even within culture, you can be a, your own separate person uh, was also uh, really, really important. So uh, to, to, to answer your question, um, relationally sometimes, you know, I would be uh, in a, rela a friendship, a romantic relationship, whatever kind of relationship. Um, when I came across someone who was reminiscent of my mom, maybe someone who was a worrier, someone who just was was strung so tightly and wanted everyone else to know that they were worried about this and so everyone else should worry about this I, I would kind of distance myself from those people I would kind of uh, naturally I, this wasn't even a conscious thing but I would just say okay well I, I can't be involved with that person I can't be in like in a like at school and like again in a work group with that person it's just it's just something that doesn't feel right it doesn't feel safe for me to do this and so uh, you know I probably missed out on a, a lot of good relationships that way you know um, and understanding that, you know, other people could worry, I could still have a relationship with those people, but I could still have this safe sense of who I was and what I was worried about. Aside, apart from that person, I think that really allowed me to enter into authentic relationships with people who might be a little more anxious than me, you know? Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. 
if you were to try and give advice uh, about these sort of worries and mm -hmm. uh, family dynamics to someone, uh, what would you say are some simple steps to, to grow? Mm -hmm. I would say, um, one, you know, if you're not aware of your family story, you're not aware of your uh, where you come from, uh, it, it's good to ask, you know. Um, it's good to know, it's good to find out where you came from. What's your story? What's your family story of coming to the States? What's your family history, you know? Um, and the knowledge of that, the awareness of that, um, in all its, you know, beauty and all its, its ugliness and all of its pain and all of its joy, uh, it, it's important because it, ha it has had an effect on who you are. It does have an effect on who you are today. Um, and another thing I would say about, about learning your family story is, is, is hold it lightly, is that hold it with a sense of grace, hold it understanding that, you know, your family dealt with the circumstances that they were, that they were given. They didn't, a lot of things they didn't choose to be a part of, but they, for better or for worse, were. Um, so be graceful to them. And uh, as you find yourself in this history, find yourself in this family, uh, be graceful to yourself as well. Um, because uh, it, it's a struggle for everybody um, who's coming into their own, uh, who's developing a sense of self, who's developing a sense of safety for themselves. Uh, it's, it's, it's natural to have starts and stops. It's natural to, to swing in one direction and then kind of pendulum back to the other direction and then kind of find that happy medium where you can really be yourself, where you can really come into who you are. Um, an example of that is, you know, there, there's during this kind of phase, I was very much into Asian American, the Asian American world, and everything had to be Asian American, and nothing could be uh, American because that wasn't didn't speak to me. There's another pendulum swing going, you know, another part of the journey where I, I wanted nothing to do with being Chinese, and so there was a rejection of those two pieces. But understanding and knowing that both of those pieces uh, make up who I am uh, was really important for me to find a, a good piece about myself. Thanks. Yeah, sure. Uh, one last question is, yeah. uh, you really seem to understand yourself as an individual and you've been working hard and uh, asking for help mm -hmm. you know, in that ways for those sort of things. Uh, but you also recently became a father. You have a seven month old. I do, yes. And so what's, uh, what are some of the things you're watching out for, uh, taking your expertise about family dynamics and then looking at your own uh, looking forward to your own family. Yeah, <laughs> my wife always tells me, uh, um, uh, "Stop being a therapist. Stop being. <laughs> this is not a. This is not a therapy thing. This is not an academic thing. This is not a like a like a cerebral kind of thing." Um, it just reminds me to to be. It's it's a little bit cliche, but to be present in every moment with mm -hmm. with my son, with my family. Um, yeah, there are worries, of course. I, I worry about uh, who he's going to become. I worry about, you know, is he going to have a good life? Is he going to be, you know, uh, a good kid? Um, but understanding, I don't have to transmit to that, that to him. I don't have to lay that at his feet. I don't have to make that his responsibility. In, in, in reality, it's, it's, it's my responsibility. It's my, it's my wife's responsibility to raise him as, uh, as a good kid, you know. So... If I free him from that, if I'm able to keep the, the worry to where it should be with me, um, hopefully I can give him the freedom to find himself, to be himself, to, to grow into who he is uh, on his own, you know? And 
as long as he knows that you know mom and dad love him uh, and mom and dad will always be there to support him then I kind of sum that up to okay we did a good job he knows that we love him he knows that we're going to support him uh, we didn't hoist all this extra anxiety upon him you know and he's free and he can, he's free to be himself so yeah that's what I hope <laughs> you know I think that's every parent's kind of hope and, and prayer is that uh, that they can do that for their kid so uh, I don't think I'm, I'm uh, too strange in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Have. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. You shared a lot about your family history, and it's very interesting, and it's especially interesting how you're working on yourself. And this concludes our episode of Erasing Shame, the summer series on mental health. Be sure to give us feedback and follow us and subscribe on Facebook, YouTube, and iTunes. And also, our information is on our website at erasingshame.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Erasing Shame About Mental Health. Visit our website for all of our episodes at erasingshame.com. Please subscribe on iTunes or YouTube and like us on Facebook.